G'day, welcome to That Photography Podcast. Uh, I'm Ed Jones. I'm Bruce Moyle. And um, yeah, well, we're just going to have a fairly relaxed chat today. No guests on this one. No just... guests, no ice cream, no beer. No. There is beer in the fridge and we got we have guests coming around later. Yeah, guests coming later. Um, yeah, so just a, a general chat. We've you've you've done some interesting interviews with some people while you've been while you're at the Appers over there in Melbourne and um Not so well, conversa- conversations. conversations. And uh we've had uh Scotty Gelston from the Examiner. Yeah. So that was a good chat. Yeah. We'll get him we'll get him on again and talk about his other thing, which is um music photography. Music. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of stuff. Yeah, that'd be really cool to talk to him about that. So well, I suppose one of the things, I mean, we you this will come to you a bit later, but right now we're just in the week. Obviously, it's not happening here, but in Europe, the big thing is Photokina. Germany, biggest photo trade show in the world. Yes. Now, we don't usually talk about gear here, no. but... Well, not, not specifically not too specifically. much because, you know, gear is gear. It changes all the time. Yep. It date stamps things. People get too carried away with it as well. Yeah, but it is an is important part of the sh- of work. Yeah, it's part of what we do, and yep. gear can enable us to do different things or new things. And it's a, I think it's an interesting time. There's a lot of different things coming out, a lot of players sort of there's, upping yeah, their game. and There's a lot of, yeah, people, the, the competition's there. Some people are falling, or well, some companies are falling behind. Some are surging ahead as always. I think it's interesting, like, the classic is the Nikon Canon battle, and it's always one against the other. And The megapixel war. Well, the megapixel war and stuff like that, like for a while, like for a long time, Canon were the the brand and yeah. everybody had their gear. And then I know a handful of shooters locally who sold all their Canon gear to move to Nikon over the last you know decade. Yeah, especially when things like the D eight hundred, when they Nikon really jumped up in the yeah in the resolution there and the megapixels and. Yeah, it's sort of, especially in the, I know a lot of landscape photographers sort of jumped across. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's I, the whole thing is I always come back to it. You know, if you're in a a shop looking for cameras and the salesman is just trying to talk to you about megapixels, then the salesperson doesn't know what the hell they're yeah, talking exactly. about. Um, but it is a valid part of an image capture. Yep, but. Like every everything from your phone upwards, like can take a picture which you can print and it'll look good. Yep. Um, you know, in your eight by tens or anything like that, even up to your A ones if you really want to push it. Absolutely. Um, so megapixels really doesn't mean much in the consumer no. front. No. But when it comes to the pro front, um pro front, consumer front, uh, into window. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um for a lot of people, it doesn't mean much, but others, when you're doing certain outputs, yeah, means everything. So landscape is a good one because the detail you can get from a larger megapixel yep, camera. Absolutely. Um, commercial product, like I've done, having a bigger you megapixel want, yeah. gives you the option to crop and do things with it and get more detail. And also your clients are wanting, generally wanting something. If they want to, if you're taking a photo, photo of a beer bottle, you don't know if that client is going to want to stick that on billboards or whether it's going to be well, magazine or print. Yeah, I mean, yeah. billboards don't need to be huge. We know that. They're- yeah, this is the thing, like, and big, really big common misconception outside of pro arenas, generally in printing arenas, is bill, 
billboards, you need an excessively large file. No, you Even don't. canvases. Canvases, you don't need that big a no. file. Because the resolution printed on those things is, well, in reality, it's crappy. It's really like the, you know, the pixels are not, um, when you print it, uh, uh, you know, two inches big. Yeah, you're and, not viewing it with your nose pressed against it. Yeah, the That's- only time I, I tend to think of, and I correct me if I'm wrong, um, you want that really super high resolution, like your 100 megapixel sort of image for, you know, printing at 100 megapixels, yeah, those um, 12-foot banners, which are that detailed for like- Like you know, in airports? Airports. Yeah, that's or what Where people are coming right up to them, you know, your yep. David Jones's lobbies and stuff like that. Yep. You know, there are very few and limited uses for those sort of high-resolution yeah. prints, big, big prints. They do exist, but you're looking at mega bucks if you're booking an ad campaign to print and make those sort yeah. of images. And you, you don't need, for the normal billboard and for the normal sort of use, you don't need those giant megapixels. I mean, I've got, I shoot a lot of political headshots and I've got people that I've shot that they're printing their heads like five, six foot tall after I've shot it on my 16 megapixel that camera. Is a, yeah, it, it is political and big heads. and Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. but. I mean, 16 megapixels is plenty for that, for yep. what they're using it for, for the needs of that, because they're not, those are billboards that are going on the side of the road, catching cars as they're driving past. Yep. No one's walking up to it and going, oh, look, he's missed some sharpness on them. There's, there's a bit of pixelation around the eyelashes there. I tell you <clears> what, <throat> political billboards, the last federal there's election. There's some bad ones out there. Oh, my God. Like, okay, you could, there, there's taking a, getting a bad headshot. And, yep. you know, sometimes, as they say, you can't polish a turd. Everybody's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, some some faces are harder to shoot than others, let's be honest. Um, uh, but then there's the post-production to actual print production, and you just Glowing go- white eyes. What the hell? Yep. What's going on? Actually, it was funny. I, was, um, I did a shoot- uh, um, in Hobart early in the morning over the weekend uh, at the model's house and they're like rocks, like like, like heavy rock and roll and stuff like that, which is fine because that's where I've come from as well. And they got a picture of Lemmy from Motorhead um, up in the hallway. And I've seen that picture a thousand times just in passing and different things. And that's a kind of classic, iconic, you know, picture that's used on T-shirts and stuff like that of this guy. Yep. And the first time I actually stopped and looked at it and went, Somebody just went crazy on the brightening on his eyes. <laughs> it's like he's got laser eyes. This is not good pitch well, Photoshop. <laughs> there was, I mean, there was last state election. There was a a candidate in my neck of the woods who he had glowing white eyes. So whoever had done the the post production on that had just gone with a white paintbrush on yeah. on the whites of his eyes, and it's sort of like you, you it's like children of the corn sort of thing. You like, uh, I, like and. Let's be honest, everybody who's first started using Photoshop or anything like that, or even just Lightroom and that, and they're first doing portraits, that's what you do. Yeah, that's the usual one. That's the usual one. I Yeah, I think, I think I, I, when I was first learning and I'd Googled it and it's like, oh, so that's how you do that. And then straight away, as soon as it, it's like, that looks bad. And I did a bit more Googling yes. and went, oh, so that's a different way. That's how we do it. Now it's a lot more healing and. Yeah, just getting out the, the red. Just really tidying it, yeah, just yeah. pixel by pixel. But anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, 
yeah, gear, megapixels, all these things, I don't think they're... It's not the the on and be, the be the, all and all of it, but it comes down to the usage you... Yeah. What you need to do. Yeah. So at the moment, I, I know that I at some point in time, I need to buy a new camera body. Yep. Um, my 5D Mark III is literally falling apart. The rubber is falling off it, off the frame. I've used it that much. Um, and I have a Sony A7S, which is a great video camera, and it's not a bad steals camera, um, but it's only 12 megapixels. Yeah. Now, that into itself is not a problem, but the reason why I use it as a steals camera is in low-light situations, and it has really good noise suppression and everything like that. That's the reason why that and its, yeah. and its newer sibling, the two, are the best, basically, pro video cameras for low-light in the market. Yeah. Uh, unless you go I've, to... I've seen the promo videos of them and, like... Shoot in moonlight. You do yeah, all and it looks like day, it looks like daylight. Yep. They're amazing. Yep. Right. But if you get something which is a little less better, a little doesn't handle the low low light in your gain as well in your ISO, but it has a lot more megapixels and you're only outputting to web, you can get away with squashing that image back down resolution wise and it will remove pretty much all the negativity you get from that noise you don't want. Right. Yep. I can't do that with the A7S. Nice. Um, and on top of that, with the commercial work I do, particularly product and that, I I am a big fan of cropping. Yeah. Right? And that's... I know where you're going with this. No, yeah. yeah. So having, having something, it's not as sensitive, but can also be cropped a lot more. Like if I'm shooting a bottle or if, you know, or if I'm shooting somebody on a stage... It gives me so much more flexibility and it's not- A few more pixels to throw away. Yeah. It's literally that. Like I have the ability to trash half this image. Yeah. And still have- And still have something really, really usable. Yep. I still do that with my 24 megapixel camera, which is the Canon. I do it a lot. Yep. But having, you know, double that resolution basically on those new newfangled ones means- I can bring it back down to what I'm shooting with now and still have resolution to spare. Yeah. It's it's the trade-off here. Yeah, and I I know a few um like portrait photographers that are using, for example, medium format like Hasselblad. Yes. Eight series for family portraits. That'd be nice. Um and they the, the reason they love it is because exactly that. They can shoot and crop heaps. They can shoot really wide. So they've always got plenty of negative space around the subject, no matter what. So they can crop it one way or the other. They can crop it square. Yep. They can have negative space on this side, negative space on that side. And because they're dealing with such big files and so much real estate in the first place, they can still output those to 24 by 36 prints. Yeah. And they still look stunning because those things can go even bigger. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, I like that philosophy. I mean, for me, I'm I survive with my... Well, now, now, now in the twenty-four megapixel market. My, yes, your new with camera. my new toy. Um, shouldn't say toy; it's a serious business yeah, I tool. I, I get in <clears> trouble for saying that. I mean, and the reality is, we do make these. There's, there's always an emotional component. Uh, well, you don't uh, you don't just pat yours when you get it and go there, no. there, there, there. I've 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 started to and to You've really to, pat it. <laughs> just, yeah, to go the other way to totally separate myself from like. It sits in my bag. It's like, yep, 
I have the now the X-T2, which is 24 megapixels, as opposed to my 16 megapixel That's X-T1. Cool. And as you saw when we were looking at it before, really the added performance in other areas is not stuff that I'm going to use a lot. No. Um, the extra megapixels are nice. Um, there's, a, there's a few usability functions that's really just had a few, I, I, few of the bad things taken away. Yeah, I think the thing I, I – I, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not. It just come to me is um, you get used to oh, – what is it when you – quality of living, quality of life where you've earned so much and you set yourself um, – your standard of living, the, yep. the your perceived standard of living, like your perceived standard of work based on the gear you've got is X. And yeah, stepping back while you can do it is a lot harder than moving forward. Yeah. Um, I do love it when like Digital Rev, if you've ever watched that <laughs> channel, make them give... give Book them, it. Yeah, the shit camera challenge. Yeah. That's... If you haven't seen or watched that, go watch it. There's a lot Kai of episodes. Oh, I know a lot of people actually don't like him, his presentation, but I, I, I think he's great. It's, it's, the, it's the most bizarre thing having a Chinese guy with an English accent Yeah, and his English accent. It's just like, yeah, it just goes, what? Hang on. Huh? Uh, but like, it's, it's good fun. It's great fun. I think too many people think that it's supposed to be serious. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, they do have good information in there, but it's wrapped around a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of messing around. Those guys, are, they're, the, they're, they're enjoying themselves. Well, they're trying to do their Top Gear impersonation, yeah. really, aren't they? But they, they are the Top Gear of the photography, uh, photography <laughs> camera world. Um, yeah, so, yeah, like, we, yeah, we're watching Photokina now. It's just finished, I believe, and all, you know, Hasselblad have announced new stuff. Um Sigma have announced new lenses, finally the 85 I've been waiting for for years. I don't even use them, and that was one of the things that excited me the most because I look at it and went, if I was shooting Canon, I'd want that lens. Or Nikon. Or Nikon, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sony. I just come, coming from Canon, I don't even think, like I've only yeah. ever shot Canon and Fuji. So Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so. Um, the new Fuji GFX50. Which is the medium, oh, the medium format. format? Yeah, as Zach Arias refers to it, the giant expletive X camera, um, X series. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of new thing, a lot of new things out there. New, um, new Olympus. Yeah, flagship. every brand's pretty much done it. Uh, Canon beat the rush with the their announcement just before with the Mark Four. Yep. They did on they you know, it's an on purpose thing. Like video game companies, I know everybody does it. It's like every Manning's dog's gonna be doing announcements there. Let's beat the Russian and do our press conference like yep. a couple of weeks before. And then at Photokina everyone's gonna come straight to us because they want to see it. See it. Yeah. Yep. Um I you know the thing that got me is the two new brands well, not one of them's not a new brand at all. One's a very old brand who've jumped onto the Instastax bandwagon. Ah, yes. Leica with their Instax. Instax. And, yeah. Um, and a no-name Chinese brand or something, I think. Yeah, I did I did find interesting in the promotional images that Leica put out in their advertising campaign yep. for the their Leica Instax instant camera. One of the photos, someone I found, I saw it somewhere on social media, Someone's grabbed that photo and had a look at the uh -huh, XF. Yeah. XF. It's shot on a Canon. 
Oh, dear. Yeah, why do they do it? It's like know. the Hawaii um, like a it, camera I, in the... I don't in, know why photo, you know, companies like that don't just have a tool for stripping all the XF data. Like, seriously. Or, or why don't they use one of their own cameras for the, for oh, the promotion? Regardless of the tool you're using, just strip all the yeah. crap out. But no, that, that looks pretty cool. Like, I've... My, my daughter's got Insects cameras. I don't think I'll be buying them a Leica one. And I have the Insects printer that I use with my normal cameras. I love my Instax. They, it generally, yeah. I take it to all weddings. So I'll always print it. have to get you to bring it down on a fly. There's a new one out, um, which isn't available in Australia yet. For some, well, I haven't seen it available in Australia yet. You can buy it online from overseas, the Instax yeah. SP2, which is even higher. Like oh. the, the old one. The resolution is pretty average. It's right. it's a bit like you're sort of s- squinting your eyes and looking at the photo, um, and it tends to like just squash the tonal range a bit, and that comes down to the um, LCD in it that's actually creating the image on the yeah right on the but the new ones beautiful apparently the Fuji guys that I know that have played with them like it's really really nice. Okay. So I'm looking. I'm going to get. I'll probably get the new one. It also prints faster. And is rechargeable rather than the old one where you had to use one of those little LR44 type batteries. Yeah. Four cool. LR44 type. Coin yeah. <clears throat> batteries are bad people. Bad. Yeah. Well, this is one of those ones that looks like a squashed down seaside, like, yeah. or, or like a AAA that's been chopped into a third sort of thing. Oh, they're the lithium ones. Yeah. yeah. And if it goes flat, where are you going to get another one if you're out somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. So having a rechargeable one's much better. But, yeah, a lot of interesting gear. Um, I know, like, I'm in a lot of the Fuji groups. There's been so much hype, and all I can call well, yeah, the hype train has been at full speed, yeah. and the Fuji boy, fanboys are all aboard um, for the new GFX50. I've been hoping Fuji would create a medium format that would be affordable, and the pricing makes it. I mean, if you were to go out and get a 5DSR, if you didn't have a Canon kit, you're going to go out and buy 5DSR and a. 85 1.2 yeah. or a 51.2. Be about equivalent. Yeah, it'd be about equivalent what Fuji is saying the price of this will be. Yeah, but so that'll be US pricing though. That'll be US pricing. We'll have Australia tax will get chucked on top of that, no doubt. So, But it does, it is interesting. A few things I'm not sure. It's got a, at this, at this stage, the, all the photos indicate 125th sync speed. Hopefully they Yuck. do something with that. No oh, not one, that I don't deal with that now with the past, uh, yeah, it's a film camera, so you've got to forgive it that. It's older tech. But for a brand new medium format hitting the yeah, market. Yeah, that's, that's a bit weird. When it's competing with the Hasselblad what, X1D, Which it's got a little, uh, tops out at 2,000, but it's a leaf shutter, so it's going to sink all the way through to that. Yeah. So when you're competing with that, yes, that's more expensive, but if that's a deal breaker for you, you're probably going to fork out the extra couple of grand. Yeah. And get in the Hasselblad. Um, and you're also then also competing with the Pentax at the the other end of the scale. Yeah, 645. That it? has a stack of lenses out there on the market, all the way, the lenses that fitted in the Pentax 645N, the same mount, you can use yep. those. So you can use 20-year-old legacy ones. You can do use five-year-old ones from the Pentax 645D, or you can use the brand-new ones that are just done for that with the X. There's a lot more, and they're all cheap. So, 
it's a hard one. Like buying gear is really hard. Like my my thing is, um, I got two streams of business, right? I got my steels and I got my video work, and I use my steels camera for my video work. And I yep. kind of tossed around buying a C one hundred, which is a ca- the Canon's yep. um, cinema camera. It's the one with the handle on the top. Yeah, it's a pro- like the. F- the form is, well, the the handle comes off if you don't want ah. it. It's separate. Um, the form and the inputs and, and everything are, it is a video camera. Yep. And it has built-in NDs. It has all the bits and pieces, bells and whistles that I love. But dropping that sort of dosh means I only have a video camera. Whereas if I dosh the same amount of dosh on the, say, the Sony A7R two. I get a 4K video camera with a high-resolution stills camera. Yeah. But I don't get the format and I don't get the battery life. It's compromise. It's got to be what works for you. If compromise. you were only doing video, there'd be, it'd be an obvious, easy oh, yeah. decision. But I don't. But you do both. It's And I don't have the money for both. <laughs> no, so you've got to sort of take that compromise. So you can send checks to me, Bruce Moore. <laughs> Go fund me. Oh. My see. I, I, I couldn't do it. No, no. Nothing beats hard work for earning what you... Yeah. yeah. No, it's... I was talking to someone today who was asking earlier today on the way here who had been sold the Fuji hype train by some one they knew that shot Fuji. who told them the image quality was way better than anything Canon do, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and you really need to buy Fuji X-T2. And I was talking to her. She's a wedding photographer, and I was talking to her about it and said, well, because she was ready to drop the hammer. She was ready to go online, just order one, bang, have it on the way. It's like, have you ever actually held one? No. Have you seen one? No, but I've been told the image quality is amazing. It's like, well, for a start, and she's a new wedding photographer, so she gets caught up in these things. I said, for a start, the image quality isn't, you're going to get the image quality from any of these digital cameras in this this day and age age is going to be comparable. And most of it's confirmation bias. If you think that one's better, it's because you want to think it's better. Yep. So forget that. What are the other things that are important to you? Oh, well, I like I want something lighter than the Canon system. I said, well, it is that marginally. But once you put the power grip on it to actually get the performance out of it that you need, yep. it's not that much lighter, not that much more compact. But the most important thing is that is it ergonomically going to work for you? Because it's a totally, you've got dials, you've got an aperture ring. So, so if you've never shot with that, it might feel weird and it might take you a long time to get used to it. And you might never get used to it. Mm. For me, it was an easy choice because I shot film on my Canon A1A1 since early 90s. And until 2007, that was the only camera I'd ever used. And then I had two Canon digital, two or three Canon digital cameras between then when I switched to Fuji and they didn't like five D's and, and my original sort of rebel type one, Yeah, they never felt right to me. They always felt a little bit disconnected. I liked the aperture ring. My hand was always looking for that aperture ring. Yeah. So when I grabbed a first Fuji X pro that felt right to me. And that was the important thing that straight away I was taking photos more comfortably. The camera disappeared more. And that's Mm. for me, that's an important thing is that, the camera shouldn't get in the way of you taking photos. So if you don't, if it doesn't feel right in your head, if you're having to think about it, what you have to do, if it doesn't feel automatic, if it doesn't flow nicely, then that's probably not the right camera for you. Mm. You might get used to it, but you might not. So I sort of, I met up with her so she could have a 
check out, check them out. She's still sort of working out what she wants to do, but she did sort of realize that like, oh, how do you change the aperture on this? So how do you change the shutter speed? Oh, so the ISO's here. So what do you... Yeah, well, that's... It's a very foreign concept if you're used to everything being on a couple of little thumb wheels and finger wheels on the front. Yeah, exactly. And that's... Yeah, I learned, I learned the lesson, you know, in a shoot in Melbourne. Like I picked up... I used my friend's camera at the shoot for, you know, all but the last bit where, where I went, okay, native camera, lenses, everything like that. I thought it was working. I was checking the back of the screen, but I wasn't zooming in which was a killer, and realising that most of my images were out of focus later when I started yep. doing the offload. Luckily, my friend was taking some pictures for himself with a model, and I just went, all right, grab my camera out, and let, let's, let's, can I just shoot, you know, you know, a dozen more frames. So I know I've got something. I know I've got something. <laughs> but that's me really not checking all my bases. Yeah, and being oh. unfamiliar. And being unfamiliar with it. And that'll happen. I, yeah, I, I can any new ha- system takes some getting used to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're right. You want to get to a point where you and the camera work together and you don't think about it. Yeah. So I use I, – I, in the past, not recently, I used to shoot theatre um, and I'd shoot it in um, usually in tech rehearsals. Yep. Um, yeah, they're trying to run through most of it, but they'll yep. s- they'll block certain scenes for me because they want certain things they want. Yep. But I wouldn't know the play. I'd do it, be doing it on the fly. I'd be doing it in pitch black, apart from the bits and pieces which are lit. Um, so my setup and gears not can't be in the light because that's where actors are. And being able to work completely in the dark, change the lenses, change the settings, and do it all on the fly, and you've got seconds to do all these yeah. things. And you're not thinking about it apart from, oh, make sure I don't trip on something. Yeah. That means you know what you're doing with your gear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, I mean, the camera, like, as I said, the, the cameras this day and age, they're all so similar. Yeah. Some have the edge here, apart from specialised ones like the A7S and so yep. on that have very specialised tools. But when you're looking at a, a, a Canon 5D versus the Nikon D800 and all these sorts of ones, they're... They're, they're so even, it just comes down to those little things, yep. mainly about the ergonomics because the image quality, I challenge anyone to tell the difference when you get two prints side by side of a Canon 5D yeah, and print and a it's Nikon. It's not pixel peeping. <clears throat> it's looking at the final result yeah. in in the way it's intended to be viewed, not at the pixel to pixel. Yeah. So it's for the individual, it's just got to be the camera that fits you the best. That's why, like I say to some people, get a like, they say, well, I love the way the Nikon feels in my hand. It just feels. Then get a Nikon. Get a Nikon. Or I, I like I, the. I've gotten so used to using Canon now yeah. because the zoom and the focus wheel in a particular way that I find it really yeah. weird and clunky when I pick up a, um, a Nikon camera because yeah, everything's I, reversed. Yeah, it does my head in as well. And I occasionally run some workshops and some like beginner photography courses. I used to do it for the local camera shop. And everyone brings in their different cameras. So you're like, You've got a class of five, six people there, and there's an Olympus there, there's a Pentax there, there's a Nikon there, there's a Canon there, and here I am, a Fuji shooter, and you're like, um, okay, so we need to change ISO. Where is that? <laughs> but I do that with every camera pretty much. Yeah. Like, as long as it, it, you know, it's pretty obvious in some cameras, but anything, it's not not what you're used to. You need to look look up things. It does, it does baffle me that in this day and age, the UIs on some of these cameras are so terrible. 
I'm going to call Nick on out on that one. Their menu systems on their cameras are absolute garbage. Yeah, I see. I haven't played the A7 series, but I've played with a few of the other Sonys, and some of those um, make it pretty awful too. Yeah, like the A6000, things like that. It's like, okay, there's lots of pretty pictures here as I chain scroll between things, but like, um, where is that? And you got to dig through. And then, and then Nikon. But, yeah. And Nikon trying to change flash stuff. Like I'm trying to teach people how to use off-camera <laughs> flash with their Nikon. And it's like, uh, where do I, how do I switch that onto Commander? And how do I, yeah. It just needs ESP. Yeah. <laughs> or voice commands. The, um, surely they could hire some decent UI guys. UI, UI guys. guys. The, the, like guys that design phones and things like that. Oh, don't get some of them. Some are bloody no, awful. No, but some of the good ones. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's, I mean, Photokino would be pretty cool to be there. Yeah. you get a lot of gas. You'd you get be, a lot of gas and you'd look at it and go, I want this, 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 and this, and this, and go, I can't buy anything. I, mm. I was saying before, like the, um, in one of the Fuji groups, I mean, the guy's going through all the, what his stages are buying. That he, It's basically, I'm going to end up buying the GFX 50, but this is what it's going to look like. And it's like all these put into my shopping cart, remove it, go away, do this, do that, shoot another event, put it, go back, decide I've got a little bit of extra cash, I'll get it, and then take it out. And eventually he buys it. Then he's like, then we get to step 26. And I realize that I don't use it at all. I leave it at home for every wedding and I'm not a studio photographer, blah, blah, blah. So I sell it. I'm like, that's where I'll step in because I'm not buying one new. I'll wait till yours is coming <laughs> out at $1,000 less or more than you oh, paid for it. Yeah. Ah, uh, dear. So, yeah, it's, I mean. I, I want to play with it then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, for me, it would be a studio beast. That would be it. It would be for my studio work. I could, at a wedding, there might be five or ten shots that it might be better to use mm-hmm. than. Your hero shots or whatever. If you've yeah. got, got the setup and you've got the big vista or whatever, it'll probably look amazing. Yeah, exactly. But it's only – and not every wedding has that hero shot. So some of the time the the hero shots are smaller and more intimate moments. Yep. Closer in, but sometimes, yeah, you've got that dramatic vista where you, you've got the tiny and, little people there. And, and, and let's be honest, if you're going to shoot, you know, portraiture or anything like that, it, you're going to get semi-close to somebody with a high-megapixel camera. And you are as detailed orientated as I can be sometimes and just getting right in there. That's a lot more retouching. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking that, like, uh, close-in portraits. Oh. I mean, retouching the bridal portraits and bride and groom ones, especially, like, the bride and groom ones from during the middle of the day. Yeah. So the bride bridal portraits, right after she's had her hair and makeup done, they're, like, they're, especially with the fact, like, we're using – Often it's the same makeup artists as we're using in the studio. It's it's people like Ali and Tani and these ones. Yeah, but makeup for a wedding is different to a studio shoot. Yeah, but these guys like are oh, they good? It's so close that you go, oh well, this half my retouching done for me because they've done such a good job. Yeah, but you still got to do stuff. But later in the day, after they've sweated through a Tasman uh, Australian summertime oh. wedding, beach wedding outdoors. And that fake tan starting to come through. Yeah, again. and the the makeup like they've got a bit of sweat happening. It becomes it becomes less fun. And having like fifty megapixels of medium format would not be no. at the top of my list. 
I, I would import it and then go image size and get it to the size it's going to be printed and never look at it any bigger again. Yeah. I mean, but, and that is a, like for me, I suppose that's a hard thing. I'm getting to the point now where I'm sort of going, I want that to be printed as big as possible because I know the chance they will might only ever go in their album, but if they love that image as much, as, especially if it's a really hero one, if they love that as much as I do, I'd really like them to buy 24 by 36 print yep. to stick on their wall. Of course, buy it from me. Um, so then that's when you sort of go, right, this is a hero image, so I am gonna have to, to spend those I'm hours. gonna have to sit here and scratch my Wacom for a while. Yep. Wacom is a stylus tablet. Yes. <laughs> Just in case you were worried. It's not an window. <laughs> or no. is it? So I mean I'd kinda of like one, but I don't need one of the uh the new Fujis. And there are a few things like it would be useless for most of a wedding with a 0.7 second refresh rate, things yeah. like that, where you. So I think the thing is, is that you, you, when you're buying gear, you got to find what works for you. And it's, and like me at the moment, that's all about a bit of compromise. There's never going to be a system that is fully yep. going to do what you want. It sucks. I want to be able to pick and choose what I want. Yeah. And, and, and some of these systems do allow you to do that to a point. So you need the Canon C1000. You need a phase one. XP or X, yeah, XF. Yeah. And you need your Canon 5Ds. Uh, I just and you need, need your Sony A7s, S2s. I mean, for what you do, like if you were going to get the specific best tool for every job. Yeah, I do too You'd many have things. to have 10 cameras in your. I need in your bag. I need five. Yeah. For me, if I was going to have the best tool for the job, I'd probably get yeah, two or three would cover me for everything I do. That's why a rental house is good. Yeah. If only there were more. Well, in Tassie, it'd be good. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, we can dream or we could create our own, but I don't have the capital. No. And I don't like anybody here. No, that's the truth. <laughs> I'm not letting you in my camera. You're not having my camera. <laughs> Oh, you said a colour run. You're never going near a colour on my cameras. Guys, don't ever take your camera to a colour run. Never. Unless you're putting it on a waterproof housing. And then gaffering it. Yeah. And then staying well back from the action. Yeah, about two Ks. I did see someone um, once that does run a, a rental company or did run a rental company on the mainland commenting on social media after a colour run. They weren't happy. No, they literally destroy yep. cameras and lenses. Yep, Canon five, 5D 2 or 3, a 24 to 72.8 yep. and a 70 to 200. Even weather sealed just, stuff. They just ruined. Just destroy them. Yep. So, oh, yeah, they, they look pretty. And if you've got an insurance, good insurance where you can claim on it and get you get the replacement, sure, go ahead. Yeah. You didn't hear me say that. Um, but yeah, there are some environments cameras shouldn't go into unless you have good coverage. Yep. Getting paid lots. And you're probably not getting paid much. Well, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff about the color runs and getting paid. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about that. I just know that they destroy cameras. There's a bit of a a hoo-ha a couple of years ago with a photographer. Okay. And, um, having their images used and fighting to get actually paid for them. Yeah, well, that, that happens. happens a lot yeah. everywhere. So, I haven't, um, I haven't done the vanity search in a while to see where my stuff is being used. I should do that soon. 
I had a mate do one and found one of his a waterfront photo he'd taken in Hobart had been used by about 10 different hotels around Hobart and was on a couple of travel agent all right. things yeah. all over the internet. And it, it ended up because, and a lot of these were linking from each other and so on. So it ended up, this thing was appearing on like over a hundred different sites. Yep. And I'm like, dude, like start invoicing for that. Oh yeah. He's like, oh yeah, but oh. No. I've just asked them for credit. No. It's like, Sticking your name on the bottom. What is is that? That's no. don't do it. Just it's one of the, it's funny. It's funny because uh, um, Michael Greco and that um, really amazing celebrity photographer and that did st- uh, stuff in um, Melbourne for APA. I um, got talking to him and he also did in his presentation. One, he was saying like a third of his business now because he's shooting like yep. big names and stuff like that is literally litigation. Um, it sounds stupid and I, and I kind of detest it in one way because we've seen movie companies and that just sue the crap out of people for, you know, yeah, they're doing, I can't remember what the term is. It's like, it's sort of speculative invoicing where you're actually going, you did something wrong. We think you did something wrong. Is an invoice. Yep. Um, or we'll take you to court. Um, but this is a little different in one respect because they've been caught red handed doing the wrong thing using his images. Um, so here's an invoice. Yep. You know, um, and he's saying that is a third of revenue now. He has those images. He has those iconic, you know, Scorsese and stuff like that. So that stuff gets used without license a lot of the time across the net. And, you know, it's kind of easy money in the US at least because he registers everything as copyright there, which, which is, has the funds to do it, obviously. Uh, which means he can get big damages out of it. Um, here it's a little harder because we 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 obviously get automatic copyright, but ch- and we have the legal system to chase it. But you've still got to do the lawyer thing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, our system isn't as robust. Robust. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've I've had that happen very rarely. I've had once where I um had a fighter, an MMA fighter. I was commissioned by the coach to shoot photos of all his fighters. One of the fighters then after about a year went to a different fight yep. club gym, um, moved into state. And one of my photos started turning up all over his marketing and promotional material. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Here's how much it costs. Yep. No, I just took it off the internet. It's like, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Well, if I can find it on the internet, it's free. I don't have to pay for it. I didn't get it from you. It's like, it's my photo. I've licensed it to these guys at yep. this at this club at this gym, they get to use it to promote him, but you don't. So if you want to use it, you can pay for it. Yep. And instead of doing that, obviously, I think they got some some guy they knew to take a really really rubbish photo that they used for his promotion. Um, it would have been similar, just and they would have got their money's worth paying me, but they just on principle they wanted they wanted to go free, so they went free and rubbish rather than yeah. paying for something they knew was an effective photo. It's the war of photography or any creative arts, really. Yeah. I mean, he offered me exposure, but as as that wasn't actually going to produce food or pay my groceries. or my, uh, And and that's going my to jewels. shift too, yeah. too little. And <laughs> I, know, I know in that market, like if you're not getting paid, you're not going to get paid. And exposure doesn't get you anything in that. 
Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> like, uh, we that's this is a whole nother yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, we're at forty minutes now. We better, <laughs> we'd better head off. Yeah, we we got to set up for the other guests, other photographers, um, tonight looking at prints and stuff. But yeah, it was been an interesting day talking yeah. photography stuff. And you've only got snippets of it on this cast. Um, well, I was Bruce Moyle. And I was Ed Jones. You find me, um, B Moyle on Instagram or Joffrey Street Productions, Facebook, website, everywhere. And you'll find me, Ed Jones Photography, on Facebook. My Instagram is just, I've just changed that to, is Ed Jones Weddings. You may um, have to go and update my. No, you'll still be following me. It's just, no, no, but oh. all the links on the on the Oh, on yes. The oh, yeah, on the notes, yes, you will. I'm sorry. Ed J Photog doesn't find me on Instagram anymore. I'm being brand specific. Fair enough. If you follow, if you find Joffrey Street on Instagram, that's me as well, but it has a little one one single picture that says follow me at Pmore. Ah, clever. For the moment anyway. Yep. Place it's funny. Up. That one's actually been gaining followers. <laughs> it must be the minimal, minimal aspects. Yeah, it's, just the, it's just the people wanting to do the opposite. Yeah. Anyway, been great talking. Right. Catch you next time. See ya. Check.